So I've just been blown away by the Father's love. And if we look back at uh, uh, the last uh, month of ministry here, we think back to Tim and Ingrid, uh, Tim Briscoe being here, and he ministered from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And there he, he expounded on uh, verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ pushes us into what He wants us to do. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who raised, for Him who for their sake died and was raised. So we live for somebody else now. You and I live for Jesus. In the worship today, it's been amazing. And it's just as we've, as we've worshipped, the gospel has been preached. The gospel, the good news has been shared. That Jesus came and died on the cross because of his great love for you and I. And that is just the most exciting thing. And it's because of that great love and if we accept that love, if we realize how much we are loved then, and we move and we start moving in that love, that's the love that's going to compel us. That's the love that's going to control us. It's the love of Jesus. One of the other scriptures they emphasized was, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. Have one amen from the left-hand side. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Jesus, we are new creations. And that is exciting. That is really exciting. And because we are new creations, we've been given a new ministry, and it's a ministry of reconciliation. So that was uh, Tim's preach. Alex preached last week from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. Yeah, here it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what God has worked in. For it is God who, is, who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Again, it's for His good pleasure. You and I think we're on this earth for our good pleasure. That's, we probably do that and we, we moan and groan when things don't go our way. But in actual fact, we are not here for our own good pleasure. We are here for the praise of His glory. You and I are meant to reflect Jesus. And so we have to work out what God has worked in. What has God worked into your life and my life? Well, there's a great exchange. I think Milan mentioned about a great exchange in, in the worship. The great exchange is we, we, His sin... Is our sin was, was put on, on him, on the cross. I died when he died. I have now been given righteousness. I am righteous. Not because of anything I've done, because of everything that Jesus did on the cross. And so we are new creations. We are holy. I know holy, that, that word holy sometimes is a very negative because it seems pious, pietistic and uh, holier than thou attitude, you know. That's, that's what, but we are holy. 
We are set apart for God. Not only has He done that, He's given us His love, as Tim shared. And so we have to work that out. I have to work that out on a day-to-day basis. You and I have got to work out love and forgiveness. Jesus on the cross, what did he, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Stephen, when he was being stoned, said exactly the same thing. That's love outworking. You and I are required to do the same. When somebody despitefully uses us or calls us names or, or, or is, is uh, harsh to us, what do we do? We love. We return love. And so we've got to work it out. We can't take any credit for this. We can't take any credit for the grace of God. Because it's by God's grace that we are saved through faith. And even the little bit, the through faith, through our faith, even that is a gift from God. So we can't, we can't boast about anything. We should all be on our knees and we should all be just thankful for what God has done. And it needs to be a day-to-day uh, attitude in our hearts that we will be, we, we, we will be, we will be humble. I get so excited that my, my words get like, what is the right word? Humble, humility. But it's the, 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 the gospel is good news. It's great news. And so I want to turn to Colossians chapter 3. This is where I've been preaching from for a, for a few months. Every time I've, I've shared, I've shared on this verse. And Colossians chapter 3. Now let me just read it. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. What an amazing portion of Scripture. We have been raised with Christ since we died with Christ. Since he, we no longer live, but He lives in us. Since we were crucified with Him. What is He saying? Set your mind on things above. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I have died. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't know whether you remember last time there was a, the, the table had a cloth over and I went and hid under the table to, to, just to show that my life is hidden in God. My life is hidden in God. Your life is hidden in God. Daryl's life is hidden in God. And when he got a, they got attacked this week and there were bullets flying, the Lord kept him. The Lord kept him safe. Our lives are hidden in Jesus. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. What a story. What a story. This gospel is good news. 
And so these first few verses really are important because we have to realize where we are seated. We're seated in heavenly places in Jesus. We need to have a heavenly perspective on life. You and I need to think differently. And we need to, we need to push in. We need to set our minds. We need to direct our attention to Jesus. And, and because if you look at the world, you're going to be, and you watch the news day in and day out, and it just seems wherever you look, there's, there's bad news. There's, it's horrible. But let's have a look at, at Jesus' perspective. He came and died for this world, to save this world. And you and I bring hope to this nation, to our lives, to our families. And so that's just an introduction. Then in verse 5 he says, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry. On account of these things, The wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you have put on the new self. Alex quoted last week uh, one of the lines that I was going to do by a Puritan by the name of John Owen, 1683. It's a few years ago. And this is what he wrote. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Is that good advice? There I <laughs> or is that kind of some melodramatic overreaction, you know, to, to, to life? But the scripture here starts off, put to death, therefore. Or I'm sure they probably could have said, therefore, put to death. It's what has happened in the previous chapters of this book. The previous chapters have talked about Christ in us, the hope and glory, that we have died with Christ. The previous verses have said, if you've been raised with Christ, then set your mind on things above. It's about our identity of who we are. Positionally, you are and I are in Jesus. And so the challenge is now, are we going to live like that? And so Paul is very practical. What does he say? He says, put to death. Therefore, What is earthly in you? Put to death. There's a great exchange that has happened on the cross. We have a nature which is prone to sin. We have a nature which is a fleshy nature which left to ourselves would uh, go down routes and, and roads which would lead to death and destruction. But we are new creatures in Christ. And I, I don't know who this guy is, but Mole says, uh, one's nature must be exchanged, not just revamped. One's whole nature. So we don't just go for a little makeup, makeover. 
You see those, those where all the, all, the, all the people go to uh, Megan Coleman. And uh, they have these wonderful makeups and, they, and they, 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 they transform you. And they take this photo and they make you look the worst possibly that you could do. And then they put makeup and they get you bright colors. And I'm a winter color, so I must be wearing black. Black is right for me because that brings out my colors the best. Uh, so I have a maker. I can have a makeover. But it's not my heart. My heart needs makeover. And that's why Jesus came. And Jesus, and we died. One's whole nature must be exchanged, not just revamped. Paradoxically, this experience, says Mole, requires a continual mortification of what is in fact already dead. A continual mortification of what is already dead. A continual actualization of an already existing creation. So I've got to actualize my, I, I know that's quite a new age word sometimes, the actualization word, but, but I've, got to, I've got to live how I am, who I am. I am a saint. I am holy. I am righteous. I am a new creation. That's how I go out into the world. And therefore, I've got to put to death Put to death, kill, mortify, name it, and slay it, cut it out. I've got to put to death that which is earthly in us. And so Paul tells us, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Those are some of the things that you and I have to put to death if we're going to live in the heavenlies. I want to live in the heavenlies. I want to, be, I want to see things from Jesus' perspective. So, so I, I've got to put to death some things. And he starts off with some of the things that we are meant to be killing. Because we need to live according to the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, if by the Spirit... You will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. So there's a part that we have to play. But it's God's grace in us that helps us to do it. I can't do it on my own power. I'm completely useless. I'm completely lost. I'm going to fall back into my own ways. Unless I let the Spirit of God in me, the grace of God in me, point me to Jesus. Show me Jesus. And then I won't... Uh, Satisfy the, the lusts of the flesh. In, in, in Romans chapter 6, Paul says something very similar. Verse 11, Likewise, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Count yourselves. There's a few accountants here. A few accountants. That word, count yourself, is an accounting word. It's what you put in ledgers. It's the, it's the number you put in the ledger. It's, it's, it's count yourselves. It's, it's, it's a fact. You can't change the number. Well, I know you uh, accountants are, are sometimes uh, very creative with, with numbers, but it should be a, a set number. If uh, 200 rand has gone out, it's gone out, and it has to be accounted for. And so that's the same with this. Count yourselves. 
as dead. Count on it. And then in verse, verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your bodies, that you should obey its lusts. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. It's a very wordy uh, passage. But really what it's saying, it's saying, you are dead, count on it, do something about it, present your bodies as living sacrifices. It, it, it talks in Romans, I think Romans chapter 12, talks about living sacrifices. So what are we to put to death? Sounds quite a, quite a harsh uh, uh, sermons in some respects, but I'm just going through the scripture. So I can't skip out these things. The first thing we have to put to death is immorality. The Greek word is pornia, the Greek word for sexual sin. We get where we get the word pornography from. So immorality refers, what does immorality refer to? It refers to unlawful sexual relations. In the Old Testament, any unlawful sexual uh, relations you had, you would be stoned to death. Well, there wouldn't be many people alive today if we, had a, if we went by that. Because uh, in the modern world in which we live, live in, everything seems to go. Everything is acceptable. It doesn't matter. Live together, sleep together, have affairs. God specifically forbids... Any sexual activity outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. That's what the scriptures say. I know, I know that sounds hard, but that's what it says. That's it. And so the Lord calls us to put to death that sexual immorality Impurity, passion, evil desire. The evil desire, that's a kind of, it's kind of a, a progression. We have to put it to death. We see somebody, we, we lust after them, we, and we want them, and we, it's because of the evil desires, the impure thoughts, the, our, our, our minds are, are perverted. If you have a look at the, the world in which we live in today, it's just a, it's a horrifying world. It's horrifying in terms of, I remember in boarding school, now, I'm going back a few years. So, in those days, like kind of the guys who lived in Tanzania and uh, Zambia, and they came in, they would bring Playboys. You know, so they, you, and they would sell them and make, and, <laughs> and, make, and make money out of that. But today, it's on your phone. Just push of a button and there's, there's stuff there for you. And what does the scripture say? He says in Philippians 4 verse 8, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. What things? Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are honest, whatever things are of good report, that's what we've got to be thinking of. We've got to let the word of Christ richly dwell in our hearts. Because our mind needs to be uh, made obedient to the word of Christ. Thank you, Alex. We have to be, our mind needs to be reprogrammed. 
So our mind needs to be transformed. And our mind is transformed when we come to fellowship, when we come to a small group, when we go to a Bible study, when we attend the uh, significant woman course, when we, when, we, when we do that, our mind is being renewed that we might live a life which is worthy of the calling which we have been called to. So remember that in the, when he talks about this immorality stuff, this uh, was nothing new to the ancient world. To them, a relationship outside marriage meant nothing at all. There was no stigma to it. They could do whatever they wanted. It didn't matter. It's fairly like our society today. In fact, most of the, uh, the false religions, the worship of Baal and all the uh, worship of uh, what, who is that in Athens? Who is that? <laughs> but uh, who is the Ephesians? Sorry, the Ephesians is what I was asking. Diana and and there, there were sexual prostitutes. All that was part of the worship. It was because of the immorality of of mankind. So it's gone very quiet here. Colossians. Chapter 2, and then we're still reading verse uh, 6. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is the bottom of it all. Idolatry is the bottom of it all. It's amazing to, to, I read about a Catholic priest who said that he had been a priest for many years, for decades, and he had retired. And he said, in all the years of hearing confessions, I never once heard anyone confess the sin of covetousness. Not once. Adultery, murder, all those, plenty of times. What is this thing called covetousness? It's like kind of an old word. We don't really use it too much in in, in modern English very often. It's an inordinate desire for more and more. Well beyond any reasonable assessment of what you and I need. It's an insatiable desire for more. And I was going to bring a colander. And I was going to pour water into the colander. And uh, because of the holes, it would have just gone, gone right through. And that is a bit what covetousness looks like. That is a bit of this desire to have more and more. And the whole of the Western world, the capitalist world, is, bought on, is built on, that, the, on those principles. The advertising executives are always trying to show you that you need something more. That car which you have, the TSI Golf is not good enough. They've got an R, which can go to 0 to 100 in 4.7 seconds or something like that. You want one. <laughs> That's like my wife in reverse out the driveway. My pre-life is good. (laughs) Jesus says, what did Jesus say? He said, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Covetousness is actually probably desiring desiring what is forbidden. 
Covetousness is at, at the desire, at the, at the core, at the root of evil deeds. James, what did he say? He says, you have something, you see something, you don't have it, you want it, you lust after it, you war to get it. You war to get it. Let me give you a simple definition of sin. Oh, it's getting really quiet here. We don't talk too much about sin in the church, it seems. <laughs> but a simple definition of sin is, what is the middle letter of sin? I. That's the essence of sin. I. Guilt. In your life as you live, you either worship God or you worship Self. That's kind of, uh, there's, there's no other, other things. All the idolatry is really, when you boil down to it, it'll be a worship of self. If you truly worship God as God, then you say to God, God, what pleases you? God says, this pleases me. You say, yes, God, that's what I'll do. If you don't like what he says... You say, self, what pleases you? Self says, I want that. God says, no, that's forbidden. But self says, I don't care, I want that. And you bow at the shrine of self. And out of deep-seated covetousness is generated the evil desires that flames its, itself into an evil thought and generates an evil deed. De Deed. So there's this kind of uh, evil uh, thoughts and it comes out. And it, 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 if we're not going to please God, you and I, what do I, I want to do? I want to please God in everything that I do. For, for the praise of His glory. When I preach, when I, when I play golf, when I'm playing tennis, when I'm working, when I'm with my family. Hopefully, there's the, the, the gap between what the Scriptures say about me. Is, is, is narrowing every day. I'm being sanctified. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like the person that I am. So I don't need to have more and more and more and more. And I keep saying to myself, oh, there's just one more thing I need. One more. And it's, I know it's very fine lines between uh, what is legitimate and what is, goes over the, over the line to greed. But somebody was saying the two major problems in the world today are greed and sexual immorality. And that comes from, from the this, this scripture. So do you want what God wants for you? Do you? What happens if we, if we keep going down our, the route of our own, our own lives? of doing, of worshipping self, of covetousness. We choose God. We need to choose God over ourselves. When God says you shall have no other gods before me, he included you in that God. It's very good. When God said, what did he say? 
have no other gods before me. He included you and me. Covetousness, when it's directed towards money, what happens? We end up stealing. Covetousness, when it's directed towards fame, what does it end up in? Boasting. Covetousness, when it's directed towards success, it ends up in self-ambition, selfish ambition and hurting other people. When covetousness is directed towards power, it ends up in tyranny. Joseph Stalin was a seminary student in his young days. He got power. What happened to the power that he had? I don't know the numbers, but it's between 20 and 60 million people died because of that. That power absolutely corrupting. The more you want, the more you have. And we see that in the world today. When covetousness is directed towards a person, it ends up in sexual sin. Let's strike the axe. Let's put to death all what is mentioned here. And I've got lots more. But I think I'm kind of running out of time and maybe the next time I preach, I will go to the next list and I will get to the positive side of the list. There is a positive side. But maybe one more picture just to, just to help you. Let me just find that. You see how much I'm missing out? Put off just to whet your appetite for next, for next time. But now you must put them all away. Put them away. And that word is a wonderful word. It's a taking off your old self. In the, when the, they got baptized in the early church, the people would come in their raggedy clothes and their sinful clothes. And before they got baptized, they would take off their smelly, dirty clothes. They would take them off. And they would throw them away. I thought I wouldn't let you all stumble because of this wonderful physique, so I put a t-shirt on. But you take off your old self. You take off the rubbish. And you go into the waters of baptism. And you go under. And you die. And then you get raised up out of the waters of baptism into newness of life. And what they would do then is they would give you A new, a new garment. Beautiful and white and clean and pure. And that's who we are. When we've gone through the baptisms of water, that's who we are. We have to, we've been clothed with that. It would be really doff and stupid of us if we Go out and then we put on our old clothes again. Because that's not who I am anymore. 
I'm a new creation. I'm a new, brand new man. I'm holy. I'm clean. And so that's the message for us today. That it's a message of grace. It's a message that, that uh, our Heavenly Father loves us. And so I, if there's anybody here who does not understand that, has never given their life to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today, upstairs, today is the day of salvation. We need to turn from our wicked ways, turn to God and be born again. I think we're going to close with one song and I want it to be Our Father. Because I think that's an appropriate way to end on Father's Day as we go out. That we go out with our Father. And if anybody doesn't know Jesus, if anybody doesn't know God as, as Father today, today is your day. So, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. Lord, we today thank you for the finished work of on the cross. We thank you that we now are clothed with righteousness, with peace, with joy, with Jesus. That's who we wear now. And we rejoice today that you are our Father, our Heavenly Father. We thank you. Thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, our Father. Let's sing this. Let's rise and sing. Let's claim those words for ourselves. As you sing, our Father, mean it. Sit on his lap. Come to him, Abba Father, Daddy. Thank you, Jesus.